You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 634 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening after the Hawks fell to the Orlando Magic by a final score of 97-88. to 88. I am not in the arena at this moment. I was there earlier, but decided to come on home. I have to record a Braves podcast, so I decided to do the double in my home studio. So my apologies for the lack of, I guess, for my apologies for the lack of background noise and the lack of a live feel. But there is some audio coming from earlier in the evening that I will pass along to you later in the podcast. But before we get to the game that was that I covered this evening, um, there were two roster moves actually uh, on Tuesday that are worth discussing on the podcast. First, the Hawks decided to move on from Ray Spaulding on Tuesday morning uh, during the offseason. I, I described him as probably the most likely ex- uh, Exhibit 10 sort of training camp opportunity guy to make the actual roster. That ended up not being true, obviously. Um, it remains to be seen. I've not heard anything about him landing in College Park. The uh, One of the reasons why teams want to give out those Exhibit 10 contracts is that uh, they sort of allow – some um, some some team control, I should say, about having the player go to the G League. Um, you know, this kind of early transaction does open the door for the potential that the Hawks are doing him a favor to try to let him get on elsewhere. But they also could have wanted him to land in College Park. So we'll see how that happens in the future. But for now, we know that Spalding will not be around for the rest of training camp, rest of preseason, all that fun stuff. Just a few hours later, the Hawks then announced that Jordan Seibert will be coming back on a contract. He's now number 20 on the roster. They had the full 20, the 14 regular contract guys, a pair of two-way contract guys, and then four Exhibit 10 invitees. Seibert replaces Spalding effectively on the roster. You might remember that last year, Seibert spent some time on a 10-day contract with the Hawks. He's a shooting guard that's uh, definitely best known for his jump shot. Not too much else going on there for Jordan Seibert, but uh, he was with the Hawks in Summer League as well. I thought it wouldn't be a bad idea for the Hawks to replace Spalding with a potential another big man because at the moment, the, ha- the Hawks have exactly three centers, plus John Collins, who's kind of a center in some ways, but... Um, some depth there would not be the worst idea in the world, in my opinion. But alas, Cybert is someone that they are familiar with. And uh, that, that kind of doesn't surprise me all that much that that happened. Just wasn't necessarily the most inspi- inspiring roster addition in the world. But for the most part, not too much impact on those two guys swapping spots. But I wanted to pass that information along to you if you had not already heard it and give me a little spin on how that was going to be coming down. Um, elsewhere, there was some pregame stuff to discuss, actually, on Wednesday evening from Lloyd Pierce. First of all, Kevin Herter did not play for the second straight game, and uh, Pierce was asked about Kevin Herter and his status actually by me, and you're about to hear that audio. And uh, here's what he had to say about Kevin and his status moving forward. Is there anything new on Kevin Herter? Is he getting closer or just? I hope so. He, he just needs to practice, I know. Uh... Like we said before, um, putting together a long day. Um, he, he scrimmaged earlier before our walkthrough uh, with Jordan Seibert and, and the rest of our coaching staff, and he looked better. He looked better. They did uh, 20 minutes of scrimmaging, which is you know it's a ton. It's a ton. 505. Um, he looked. He looked a lot better. I watched the whole thing. I saw him do some sprints in between. Just looks better. He needs to practice with our guys. The speed will be differently when he's practicing, and we have a practice coming up. Normally in season, that's one of the things to say. It's you know he needs to practice, but we don't practice much, so he's going to get five on five. 
uh, in a Friday session, and then we have a Saturday session before we go to Miami, and we'll have a session on Sunday as well. So just putting together good days, and hopefully the, the recovery is great. Hopefully when we take tomorrow off, his recovery is good. That's the most important part right now, but he looks a lot better. So as you can hear there, there's not too much going on with uh, Kevin Herter uh, in terms of him uh, being super active and ready to get close to being playing. It's a little bit interesting to me that the Hawks are not listing him on the injury report. It's kind of throwing me off the scent and throwing a lot of people off the scent here because he wasn't listed. And as a result of that, there wasn't too much discussion about Herter pregame. But then that was pretty clear that he was not really in consideration to play. You hear there that he played uh, for 20 minutes in a, in a scrimmage, which is probably a positive thing. But at the same time, Herter does not necessarily appear to be game ready. The Hawks don't play again until Monday. We'll see if he's uh, on the injury report for Monday's game, but he's clearly just progressing, and that's something to definitely keep an eye on. But I don't want to play the entire clip for you to talk about what uh, Pierce had to say in this instance. Um, next on the agenda that I wanted to get to was the fact that Evan Turner is also out. He missed the first two games. Um, Kevin Chenard uh, passed along earlier this week that Pierce said that Turner has, quote, been bothered by some uh, nagging left Achilles pain for all of training camp, end quote. And uh, Pierce was asked about that um, before the game this evening, and he sort of downplayed any long-term issue. That was the question that I actually had for him was about whether it was you know, more of a long-term concern for Turner. He said that Turner's a 10-year veteran, and they talked about it. Um, it was, uh, you know, he actually even referenced the fact that um, Turner was doing a workout pregame, so that was, I think, to downplay a little bit of the severity. Definitely made it seem as if it wasn't really a, a big-picture issue for Turner, just, some, just some, some soreness and some pain that he was experiencing. Just reference the fact that it was pl- that was sort of flaring up, and it's more precautionary. The last quote that I wanted to pass along to you was, uh, "quote We're okay. We'll get him healthy." End quote. So we'll see how that how that happens with Turner. Um, he's not someone that necessarily needs preseason to get ready to go, but at the same time, you want to probably see him once potentially to see how he looks in the system. So that was the next thing on the agenda. The the only other um, update that I wanted to pass along to you, really, from the pregame tonight that I thought was interesting was the fact that. Lloyd Pierce changed the lineup, and people were questioning that and asking me as to why, and I figured I would probably just include the audio from what Lloyd Pierce said. So here's the back, here's the background here. The Hawks decided to change the lineup to start Cam Reddish at small forward and bring DeAndre Hunter off the bench. A lot of that, it seems like, was uh, you know driven by the fact that Reddish was on a, a minutes limit in this game, but still, and also Alex Len took over as a starting center in this game. So here is what... Um, Pierce had to say about the lineup change, and you will hear the voice of Chris Kirshner asking the question. And also, some background noise of my, of my typing on my phone while also recording. My, I was tweeting at the time, so forgive me for that. But uh, here's what Pierce had to say about the lineup change tonight. Is there a reason for switching Cam and DeAndre in the starting rotation? Um, no. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't a switch. We just, you know, Cam's in there tonight, and DeAndre's not, and Alex is in there tonight, and Damien's not. Um, you know, eventually we'll, we'll get both of those guys in there together. Hopefully, um, hopefully Kevin's back and we'll get to throw him out there. Um, just trying some different things. Really want to look at some matchups and see how Cam defends and, and give him a primary matchup. He's got uh, Gordon tonight. We'll see how he does with some bigger guys. Eventually we'll roll him to some smaller guys. And, um, you know, like I told you guys before we started, uh, whatever you see, don't, don't buy too much into it. We're still trying to figure out you know, especially from a health perspective, who's going to be healthy October 24th, and we'll determine what that lineup is. October 24th, I do hope I have a, a lineup that I can run with. I hope I'm not, you know, playing musical chairs with our lineup after October 24th. So there's nothing terribly shocking there when it comes to 
um, Pierce downplaying the rotational importance and all that fun stuff. And I know fans like to talk about who plays where and you know all that stuff in the preseason. It's definitely important to some degree, but still, I think it's just important to hear Pierce kind of say it for himself that you know nothing in the preseason necessarily tells you all that much about rotations and all that stuff. He did say later on in the um, in the availability that he's going to basically plan on having one one game down the line um, next week. The Hawks have three more preseason games and they're all on the road. Um, one of those is going to be basically a um, a full maybe not a full contact, you know, full uh, full volume regular season type um, activity, but at the same time, he didn't use the word dress rehearsal, but that's kind of the word that I was thinking in my head. Just kind of one game where he targets a, a full-time uh, deployment for the most part, pushing guys a little bit more, using a tighter rotation, etc. So that's going to be happening at some point next week. He did not say which game it was going to be. I actually asked about the fact that the Hawks have a weird back-to-back next week in the preseason. And it seemed like he's not going to necessarily play guys in that spot, but maybe pick one of those two games, kind of go full and the other game, kind of punt it to some degree. So we'll see how that how that's handled next week. But um, you know that's going to be coming. But aside from that game, I wouldn't take too much from the rotations. And uh, Pierce is saying the exact same thing there. Um, so that's going to kind of do it for all the pregame stuff. Not too much going on um, elsewhere, but I wanted to pass along the injury updates since they were actually out there. And uh, a look behind the curtain. The Hawks are not back for a game for a long time. The Hawks are not back for, for, a, for a game at, at State Farm Arena until October 26th. So that's 17 days from now. A lot's going to change between now and then, but uh, there you go on that. Before we get to the actual game stuff, I do want to take a quick break to talk about the sponsorships and all that fun stuff on this podcast. So hold on tight. We'll come back and break down the game that happened on Wednesday night. All right, and we're back to talk about the game from Wednesday. The Hawks fell to 0-2, which does not matter in any way, shape, or form. Uh, for some context here, the Hawks, the last time they played the Orlando Magic, allowed 149 points in a memorable game in which they just could not get a stop the entire time. On the bright side, the defense was much better in this game than it was back then. I know it's preseason, and that definitely is worth pointing out as a big-time caveat, but the Hawks did give good effort defensively in this game. Lloyd Pierce seemed pretty pleased with that effort defensively. Um, you know, Orlando's offense is not great by any means, but you know, at the same time, the Hawks did, I think, play pretty competitively and pretty well defensively. Um, there was not a lot of buzz in the building tonight you know, compared to Monday. I was trying to tell some people that were uh, kind of around for the first time that you know Monday's, Monday's game was not a typical preseason atmosphere. The Pelicans were in town. Zion was in town. There was a lot of buzz about that game. Tonight, there was not a lot of buzz at all, which kind of is what's supposed to happen in the preseason to some degree. So kind of a weird confluence at the top there, but it was a good start for the most part for the Hawks. There was a nice uh, Cam Reddish pull-up jump shot on the first trip of the game, coming off of, off of, off of a nice horn set. Um, Reddish actually got to defend Aaron Gordon for a while. Did a pretty pretty decent job about that. And it was something that Pierce mentioned post uh, sorry pregame as a challenge for Reddish. Um, Trey Young, by the way, I, I thought gave this is gonna sound this is gonna sound hyperbolic, and I don't really mean it to be. I, I think the first five six minutes of this game that he played his first stint might have been some of the best defense that he's played as a professional. It might have been his best stint, frankly. Uh, and if that was a regular season game, I probably would have said that. I know preseason-wise, it might sound crazy to say that. And again, it doesn't matter as much because it is an exhibition game. But Young played well defensively. You know, There's always going to be some sort of a ceiling there for him physically. But at the same time, he played well, he executed well, gave good effort, and that's kind of all you can ask him to do. So if you're looking for in a uh, some tape on Trey Young playing well defensively, that's probably a good place to start with it as the early part of this game which is worth pointing out. Um, John Collins struggled throughout the night, and I, I made note of that early on against um, John Isaac in the first quarter, and he really had a rough night of it. We'll talk more about him later. Um, DeAndre Hunter came came off the bench first and played the most of any bench player in this game for the Hawks. Uh, at 20, 25 minutes, he played quite well as well. We'll talk about him individually later a little bit, but he flashes off the dribble game that I wanted to see from him. Um, 
other than that, you know, Brendan Gould made his debut with the Hawks, which is good. But, you know, the Hawks were actually leading after the first quarter despite a 74 offensive rating, which is absolutely terrible. They shot 27% from the floor and 2 of 11 from 3 with 8 turnovers in the first quarter, and they were winning, which kind of tells you how ugly this game was for wide stretches of it. The second quarter was a little bit more entertaining to some degree. There was a nice tip dunk by Bruno Fernando, and he also had a nice short roll pass later on in the quarter. He played much better in this game than he did in the opener, I thought. Orlando opened 7 of 25 from the floor, so they definitely helped the Hawks out a little bit with their defense, but Orlando, again, you know, it's kind of scuffling to some degree. There were a couple of questionable finishing at the rim moments for, for Cam Reddish. Not a huge surprise. That was his biggest weakness in college, honestly, and it, you, you can kind of see why a little bit in this game. Not a lot of explosion around the rim, and the craft's going to have to improve. He's a rookie, but you know that's something that I wanted to point out. Uh, there's, the ball was in DeAndre Hunter's hands quite a bit in the first half, which I thought was interesting. Not a huge shock, considering when Trey when Trey Young leaves the floor, there aren't there isn't there isn't really that that primary option, particularly with Kevin Hunter out of the game. So, you know, Hunter ended up taking on more usage than you would think, but I, he did a pretty good job with it, which is good, which is definitely a good thing to say. The first half, the Hawks were uh, awful offensively. That was kind of a game wide theme in a lot of ways, but 15 turnovers was kind of the thing there. I, I will say Trey Young played very well in the first half, 11 points, six assists, four rebounds, and three steals for him before halftime. He leveled off a little bit after that. The Hawks had 21 turnovers with seven minutes left in the third quarter. That is uh, almost impossible. That's 21, 21 turnovers in 29 minutes of gameplay. They were, they, they were basically on pace for like 35-plus turnovers at that point in time. They only ended up with only ended up with 27, so that's a small win, I suppose. But yeah, um, overall, I wrote down this a couple times, but it was a legitimately positive defensive effort for this entire game for the most part for Atlanta. Um, it was worth noting that Damian Jones and Bruno Fernando, Bruno Fernando both hit threes in the same quarter. Um, two guys who the Hawks want to have shoot, but we're not sure how that's going to happen so far. I mean, they both knocked down shots in the third quarter. Um, there was a brief moment in time when the Hawks had a competitive chance to win this game. They got within uh, two early in the fourth quarter after an 8-1 to run, but that was kind of the end of that. And uh, yeah, from there, there, it was kind of a lot of garbage time late. Once Trey Young hit his sort of minutes cap, um, the wheels came off in the fourth quarter, and that wasn't a huge surprise to see. Um, individually, you know, not a ton of bright spots offensively, particularly in this game. We'll start with it. We'll start with the bench. Um, just to point out some guys here, obviously Hunter was the bright spot in terms of really probably everybody overall, 13 points, five rebounds for him. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I've been saying that over and over again, but he's uh, fantastic. But he played very well in this game on both ends of the floor. Um, Aside from that, though, you know, Armani Brooks had a couple nice moments where he he made some shots late in this game. Vince Carter didn't play a ton, but played well when he was out there. Brandon Goodwin uh, got some praise from Lloyd Pierce. He was 0 for 4 from the floor, but did have 5, five assists and 2 steals. The energy was really good from him. I still like Brandon Goodwin. I think he can be someone on this team that actually plays some minutes and, and uh, eat some innings for the Hawks this season. That's pretty important, I think, and his first performance was uh, just fine. Damian Jones was a little bit better, I thought, in this game than he was in the opener, which is uh, definitely something that's good to see from him because he's going to be playing real minutes for this team, particularly early on as Bruno Fernando gets his legs under him. Jabari Parker had some highs and lows, 11 points, 9 rebounds, which is very Jabari Parker-like. Um, defensively, I thought he gave pretty good effort. Offensively, had some rough moments uh, efficiency-wise, and they're going to be talking about that throughout the season. You know, Lloyd Pierce has been saying that they have to try to figure out what to do with him, and that's candid of Lloyd to say, but it's also true. You know, he's kind of a weird fit in some ways with this roster. He's going to have to make that work. But the talent is clearly there for Jabari Parker. Charlie Brown had some better moments in this game than he did in the first game, I thought. Defensively, it's still rough, though, and that's something you just have to say over and over again. 
And finally, Fernando, as I said briefly before, I thought he played very well compared to uh, the first game. Still had some rookie moments, to be sure, during this contest, but five points, six rebounds, and definitely wasn't as nervous. In fact, Pierce talked about how Fernando was really nervous in the first game, representing Angola, for for instance, being the first Angolan player in the NBA. There was a lot, sort of a lot riding on him, at least in the way that he was handling that in, in game one. And Pierce said they want him to talk more defensively, but they definitely were happier with the way that he played and the way that he was able to be under control in this game. Um, to the starters, DeAndre Bembry was a little bit quieter in terms of scoring in this game, seven points, but have seven rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block shot. A very DeAndre Bembry kind of box score. Also had four turnovers, which is probably too many. But, um, you know, a lot of highs and lows offensively for him, but the defensive effort was good. He was uh, always good on that end of the floor almost, so that's a very on-brand game for him. Alex Len didn't play a ton, but I thought he looked okay for the most part. Um, Cam Reddish was a little bit you know, a little bit lower on the totem pole in this game than he was in game one. A lot of that's just a shot's not falling. He was 0 for 5 from 3. That's going to happen. You know, I'm not worried about his jump shot whatsoever. There was some concern about that in college, but, you know, I think it's going to come. He's got a nice stroke. I'm not really worried about that at all. I mentioned before, but worth saying again, the lack of finishing is a little bit of a red flag for me. It's a very small sample. It's one game in the preseason. I don't, I don't really care about that, but when it kind of plays into what he struggled at at Duke is uh, not necessarily something you, that you should just flat out ignore. John Collins, it was kind of funny, and this does, this does not matter in any way, shape, or form, but uh, even Lloyd Pierce said, and I'm quoting now, it was one of those nights for John Collins. Um, that's very true. In fact, I said this I said this offline, but I'll say it again uh, now. This might be the worst I've ever seen John Collins, which is kind of funny. You know, I guess maybe as a rookie, he might have, he might have had some moments, but looking ahead now, you know, Collins is someone in his young 20s and is basically an all-star fringe kind of player right now. I think he'll, he'll. It's probably likely that he's never worse than this ever on an NBA court again. Like that's how bad he was in this game. I don't care at all about this, but he really struggled from the beginning of the game. You know, he was really batting against John Isaac in the first few minutes. Um, none of this really matters. But you know, Collins just had a, had a rough night at the office. He'll he'll break through and get back to it. There was uh, some talk about him having a knee issue. He was on the injury report, but Lloyd Pierce downplayed that in a hurry pregame, and I don't think there was any reason to think that, that was uh, really limiting him in this game. He just didn't play very well, and it's going to happen. So, you know, something to just kind of point out. It's a preseason game. You just kind of tear that one up and write it off, particularly for a guy who's as, who's as established and as good and as productive as John Collins is. And finally, Trey Young led the team in minutes, 28 minutes, played um, more than Pierce said he was going to play, had uh, 18 points to lead, to lead um, I believe, all scorers in this game. Oh, sorry, he was second to Terrence Ross, uh, led, led the Hawks in scoring with 18 points. Seven rebounds, five assists, and three steals, which is all good numbers, but eight turnovers. He actually said he played like bleep. Um, in terms of the turnovers uh, after the game to the media. So he was frustrated with that. You know, Pierce definitely didn't seem to be thrilled with turnovers from Trey Young. And, you know, he's the, the number one culprit, but still, as a team, the Hawks turned the ball over 27 times. So it wasn't just Trey Young. He only had eight of the 27. It's still a lot of turnovers, but, you know, Collins had, Collins had seven, Bembry had four. A lot of guys had two or one. Um, you know, Parker had two, Hunter had two. They were just kind of all over the place. But 15 from Young and Collins, is just, that's just a lot. So I don't really care. Again, preseason, is, it is what it is. And Trey had some nice moments defensively in this game, and he's just going to be himself. I'm not worried at all about that. But, you know, Pierce was certainly wanting him to do a little bit better with that, and I think Trey knows it. So there's something to just build off of and uh, motivate him as you look ahead to the rest of the preseason. So, you know, all told, the offense was rough, an 84 offensive rating in this game. That's uh, telling as to how bad they were. The shooting wasn't, you know, wasn't great. I think the turnovers were by far the bigger issue, though. 
Defensively, a lot of bright spots, honestly. You know, this is a team that's still going to be bad defensively this season. I still believe that. But it is encouraging to me, if nothing else, that they were able to put out a good defensive effort for most of this game. And particularly with guys who usually struggle, like Trey Young, playing well defensively is a very, very good thing. Um, looking ahead a little bit before we get out of here on this fine Wednesday, the Hawks don't play again, as I mentioned before, until Monday in Miami. Um, Pierce said, again, like he's going to plan on using one of these games coming up as a sort of dress rehearsal game. It might be Monday. That's at least in play for me. I wouldn't predict that necessarily, but I would guess it's either going to be Monday or it would be the, the game in New York before they go to Chicago. Regardless, though, Monday is a long way away from now, I suppose, in NBA terms. Once the season starts, you don't you don't see a lot of four-day breaks, but the Hawks don't play again now for four days. For, I guess they have four full days off, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're going to practice, of course, but no games until Monday night in Miami. I will not be there, so you know we'll see what we get. And it's going to be televised, though. All five games are scheduled to be televised for the Hawks, which is nice. Um, those of you that may be longtime fans may, may know that very recently we were having to scrounge up. Uh, even I was having to scrounge up some video for some weird games that no one was televising, so... So that's not going to be a thing this year. Hopefully you'll be able to watch all the Hawks games that you want to on this evening. And uh, if, uh, last thing here, I know this is going to be a sore subject, but if you're a Braves fan, my apologies on what happened this evening. So hopefully the Hawks can bring you some solitude, some uh, positivity as you look forward to the sporting landscape. The Hawks won't be great this year probably, but they'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we saw some flashes of that tonight. So there you go on that. That's enough for me on this uh, fine Wednesday evening. The plan will be to have uh, one more podcast either Either to drop on Friday morning or drop Monday morning, one of those two, uh, between now and the next game. I will, I'm not really sure which one that's going to be that be yet, and then we'll get into our groove starting uh, next week when the games are more uh, frequent in nature, and we'll talk more about you know schedule stuff in the future. But please subscribe to this podcast. Please check out the show. Please check out the entire Lockdown Podcast Network. Tell a friend, and we will see you all later. Please stay tuned. And again, one, one more time, I promise, one more time, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you all next time.